If you have your Bibles with you, or if you'd like to use your Bible app on your electronic device, you can certainly follow along. Today, the text is in the Gospel of Luke, starting at chapter 22, verse 14, and and then following all the way through chapter 23 towards uh, the end, where we'll stop at verse 56. Uh, actually, if, if you'd like, I'm going to begin at verse 1 of chapter 22, just to set the stage there. Um, I gave our projectionists a little break, because this is a lot of text to prepare for slides. And so, I thought that I would just invite you to open up your own Bible, or if you'd like to take one of those from the pew rack in front of you and follow along. If you have a young person sitting with you, you can point to them as uh, we go through where we are in the Scriptures. As Amanda said in her children's sermon, we're going to look at the last two days of that week, the Thursday and the Friday of that Holy Week, and to um, join in the story. And I've interspersed some specific prayers along the way, and I'll pause and invite you to either bow your heads or keep your eyes open, however the Spirit is leading, as we pray together as well. Would you bow your heads with me now? May the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. And the people said, Amen. By way of introduction, I want to uh, share just a brief story with you that I heard Dr. Jim Somerville share at a conference that I attended. He leads from time to time preaching seminars. And he told, he's the pastor of Richmond's First Baptist Church. And he tells the story of his college English professor who had a significant influence on his life. And his professor grew up in North Carolina and was a teenager during the time that the United States entered World War II. Many of the professor's friends enlisted into the service. There was a contagious patriotism in our country at that time, and enlistment offices were overflowing with people volunteering for service. But at the age of 17... Jim Somerville's professor was too young to enlist into the armed services, but South Carolina apparently had a loophole, so he crossed over the state line from North Carolina into South Carolina and enlisted in the Navy. When the young man finally made it home, his father was waiting in the back room and said, where have you been? I entered into the Navy, Dad. Do you realize that you're going to get killed? Said the father. And with a look of confidence on his face, the son answered, Yes, I do. This young teenager knew that he would face death for his country. And by the grace of God, he was able to survive and tell his story. In the spring of Jesus' 33rd year, he entered the city of Jerusalem for the final time. If his mother were to ask him, do you realize that this might get you killed? His answer would be, yes, I do. 
Jesus had been preparing His disciples for this week. For three years, He had been teaching them that He was to die for the sins of all people. And then they would need to share His story. A story of unselfish, unconditional love. A story of humility and compassion. A story of grace and mercy. Each of the four Gospels tells the story about Jesus' final week on this earth. This morning our reading is taken from the Gospel of Luke. And we'll hear it from Luke's perspective. Most of you know that Luke was a companion of the Apostle Paul. And that he wrote not only the Gospel of Luke, but the book of Acts which tells the story of the birth of the church and the history of the church in those early days. So I invite you today to listen to this story of the last part of the last week of Jesus' physical life on earth as it is told by Luke. Often, I don't know that we hear enough Scripture read in worship. We read it every Sunday, but in our general population... We're more like soundbite people. We like snippets. And so today I sense that it was important for us to hear Luke's account of these last two days of the life of Jesus. Our story is set in Jerusalem. We meet with Jesus and His twelve disciples on that Thursday of the Holy Week. And as I said earlier, I'll invite you as we pause and reflect in prayer during the message today. Starting at chapter 22. Now the festival of the unleavened bread called the Passover was approaching. And the chief priests and the teachers of the law were looking for some way to get rid of Jesus. For they were afraid of the people. Then Satan entered Judas called Iscariot, one of the twelve. And Judas went to the chief priests and the officers of the temple guard and discussed with them how he might betray Jesus. They were delighted and agreed to give him money. He consented and watched for an opportunity to hand Jesus over to them when no crowd was present. Then came the day of unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John saying, Go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. He replied, As you enter the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him to the house that he enters and say to the owner of the house, the teacher asks, where is the guest room? Where might I eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large room upstairs, all furnished. Make preparations there. So they left and they found things just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared the Passover. When the hour came, Jesus and His apostles reclined at the table, and He said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not again eat of it until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. And after taking the cup, He gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread and gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. 
which is poured out for you. I invite you to pray as we bow our heads. Jesus gave thanks for the bread and blessed it. And he gave thanks for the cup and blessed it. Today we offer our thanksgiving for Jesus, who is our atoning sacrifice, who endured the cross, its scorn and its shame, and suffered that we might be forgiven and receive the promise of everlasting life. Lord, by your grace, we thank you for this precious gift that Jesus is the author of our salvation, made perfect through his own suffering. Amen. And then the disciples started to argue among themselves. But the hand of verse 21, but the hand of him who is going to betray me is with mine on the table, said Jesus. The Son of Man will go as it has been decreed, but woe to the one who betrays him. The disciples began questioning among themselves which of them it might be who would do this. A dispute also arose among them as to which of them was considered to be the greatest. And Jesus said, The kings of the Gentiles lorded over them, and those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors. But you are not like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest, and the one who rules like the one who serves. For who is greater, the one who is at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who is at the table? But I am among you as one who serves. You are those who have stood with me in my trials, and I confer on you a kingdom, just as my Father has conferred one on me, so that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And in verse 31, Jesus said, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. But he replied, Lord, I am ready to go with you to prison and to death. And Jesus answered, I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times that you know me. And then Jesus asked them, When I sent you without purse, bag, or sandals, did you lack anything? Nothing, they answered. And he said to them, But now if you have a purse, take it, and also a bag. And if you don't have a sword, sell your cloak and buy one. It is written, And he was numbered with the transgressors. And I tell you this, that this must be fulfilled in me. Yes, what is written about me is reaching its fulfillment. The disciples said, see, Lord, here are two swords. That's enough, he replied. As we pause and pray, might we reflect on times when we put ourselves first 
when we are selfish, when we make promises we can't keep. Let us pray. Oh Lord, how often do I say I'm going to do one thing and I do another or make a promise and forget. Sometimes I even say that I'm going to pray for someone and then come to find out it it slips my mind and I feel so bad about that. How often do we make promises and don't keep them? Or we over commit to something knowing we can't do that and then fall by the wayside. Lord, would you give us the forgiveness and grace we need when this happens to us and give us the wisdom to make promises that we can keep and to follow through on what we set out to do. Amen. In verse 39, we see the following beginning to unfold in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives and His disciples followed Him. On reaching the place, Jesus said, Pray that you will not fall into temptation. And He withdrew about a stone's throw from them and knelt down and prayed, Father, if You are willing, take this cup from Me, yet not My will, but Your will be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly. And the sweat that came from him was like drops of blood falling to the ground. And when he rose from prayer and went back to the disciples, he found them asleep, exhausted with sorrow. Why are you sleeping? He asked them. Get up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. Church, we need to be alert. We need to be ready. Help us to be earnest and fervent in our prayer, God. Help us to resist the evil one, we pray. Daily we pray that we would take up the full armor of God and stand firm to be faithful to our God. And now verse 47 and following, while he was still speaking, a crowd came up and the man who was called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. He approached Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus asked him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? And when Jesus' followers saw what was going to happen, they said, Lord, we should strike with our swords. And one of them struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his right ear. But Jesus was indignant. He answered, no more of this. And he touched the man's ear and healed him. Then Jesus said to the high priests, the officers of the temple guard and the elders who had come for him, am I leading a rebellion that you have come with swords and clubs? Every day I was with you in the temple courts and you did not lay a hand on me. But this is your hour when darkness reigns. Pray with me.
Lord, so often we profess you with our lips, but we betray you with our hearts. Help us, Lord, to remain faithful to you. And forgive us when we step in and try to play God. You are the one true God. Help us to faithfully obey you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And help us, Lord, to love our neighbor, even our enemy, as ourself. Amen. This is one of the challenging parts of the story for me, and perhaps it is for you too, where Peter recognizes that he has denied his Lord. Friday night when we gather on Good Friday to watch the Passion of the Christ film, Philip has organized that as part of our Good Friday experience. I will never forget the look on Peter's eyes as the character plays him in the movie when Peter locks eyes with Jesus. It's just overwhelming. Listen to what Luke records here at verse 54 and following. Then seizing him, they led him away and took him to the house of the high priest. Peter followed at a distance. And when some there had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter sat down with them. A servant girl saw him seated there in the fire, firelight. She looked closely at him and said, This man was with him, but he denied it. Woman, I don't know him. A little later, someone else saw him and said, You, 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 you are one of them. Man, I am not, Peter replied. About an hour later, another asserted, Certainly, this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. Peter replied, Man, I don't know what you're talking about. And just as he was speaking, a rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. As we pray, think about the times when you and I have intentionally or unintentionally denied Him. Bow your heads with me. How many times does it take? We, Lord, we confess that we deny You every day. Whether at home or school or at work or even at church, Lord, we acknowledge that we, in our disobedience, and sometimes doing what we want to do, we deny You. And today we repent of our ways and we turn our hearts to You, our Savior and Redeemer. And we thank You for Your forgiveness. Amen. Now looking at verse 63, the men were guarding Jesus began mocking and beating Him. They blindfolded Him and demanded, Prophesy! Who hit you? And they said many other insulting things to him. 
At daybreak, the council of the elders of the people, both the chief priests and the teachers of the law, met together, and Jesus was led before them. If you are the Messiah, they said, tell us. Jesus answered, if I tell you, you will not believe me. And if I asked you, you would not answer. But from now on, the Son of Man will be seated at the right hand of the mighty God. They all asked, are you the Son of God? And he replied, you say I am. They said, why do we need any more testimony? We have heard it from his own lips. And our prayer, open eyes today, even when you and I endure hardship, persecution, personal losses, we seek God's strength to testify on behalf of Jesus. Help us, O God, to love you in this way. Give us the courage to love even those who have wronged us, even those who have said unkind things to us. Help us to have the strength to forgive and to give it to you. Help us to follow in the example of Jesus. And then into chapter 23, we see this part of the story. Then the whole assembly rose and led him off to Pilate. And they began to accuse him, saying, We have found this man subverting our nation. He opposes payment of taxes to Caesar, and he claims to be the Messiah, a king. So Pilate asked Jesus, Are you the king of the Jews? You've said so, he said. Then Pilate announced to the chief priests in the crowd, I find no basis of charge for this, for this man. But they insisted. He stirs up the people all over Judea by his teaching. He started in Galilee and he's come all the way here. On hearing this, Pilate asked the man if he was a Galilean. And when he learned that Jesus was under Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod, who was also in Jerusalem at that time. And when Herod saw Jesus, he was greatly pleased because for a long time he had been wanting to see him. From what he had heard about him, he had hoped to see him perform a miracle of some sort. He plied him with many questions, but Jesus gave him no answer. The chief priests and the teachers of the law were standing there vehemently accusing him. Then Herod and his soldiers ridiculed and mocked him, dressed him in an elegant robe. They sent him back to Pilate. That day, Herod and Pilate became friends. Before this, they had been enemies. Pilate called together the chief priests, the rulers of the people, and said to them, You brought me this man as one who is inciting the people to rebellion. I have examined him in your presence, and I found no basis for your charges against him. Neither has Herod, for he has sent him back to us. As you can see, he has done nothing to deserve death. Therefore, I will punish him, and I will release him. In this indecision, this back and forth, our prayer is, Lord, that we would not fall into an attitude of indecision. Are there times when you and I are lukewarm in our faith? But our prayer is that, Lord, help our yes be yes and our no be no. Let us not like, be like Pilate who gave in to indecision, complacency, popular opinion, politics, and peer pressure. And now as we look at verse 18, 
the whole crowd shouted, Away with this man! Release Barabbas to us! Barabbas had been thrown into prison for an insurrection in the city and for murder. Wanting to release Jesus, Pilate appealed to them again. But they kept shouting, Crucify him! Crucify him! For the third time he spoke to them, Why? What crime has this man committed? I have found in him no grounds for the death penalty. Therefore, I will have him punished and then release him. But with loud shouts, they insistently demanded that he be crucified, and their shouts prevailed. So Pilate decided to grant their demand. He gave in to them, and he released the man, Barabbas, who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and murder, the one they asked for, and surrendered Jesus to their will. As the soldiers led him away, they seized Simon from Cyrene, who was on his way from the country, and put a cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. A large number of people followed him, including women who mourned and wailed for him. And then down below in verse 32, two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be crucified, to be executed. When they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots, throwing dice. The people stood there watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. And they said, He saved others. Let him save himself if he is God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and mocked him, and they offered him wine vinegar and said, If you are the king of, of the Jews, save yourself. There was written a notice above him which read, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked the first. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve, but this man has done nothing wrong. And then he said, looking at Jesus, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, truly, I tell you today, you will be with me in paradise. Thinking about these two thieves, one on one side and one on the other, one who accepted him, the other who denied him. Let's reflect in prayer. Father, forgive us of our sins and help us to forgive those who have sinned against us. And when we can't bring ourselves to forgive, perhaps because of the memories, the hurts, the pains, Please forgive on our behalf. Jesus appealed to you, God, to forgive those who harmed him. Maybe the humanness of Jesus as he hung there on the cross could not bear to forgive. The hurt was too deep and he had to rely on your power to do it. We pray for those who don't know the Lord. 
We pray for those that don't know this way of appealing to You for help. Amen. And now at verse 44, it was about noon and the darkness had come over the whole land until three in the afternoon for the sun had stopped shining and the curtain of the temple was torn in two and Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And when he had said this, he breathed his last. The centurion, seeing what had happened, praised God and said, Surely this was a righteous man. When all the people who had gathered to witness this sight saw what took place, they beat their breasts and went away. But all those who knew him, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching these things. Now there was a man named Joseph, a member of the council, a good and upright man who was not consented to their decision and action. He came from the Judean town of Arimathea, and he himself was waiting on the kingdom of God Going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus' body. And he took it down and wrapped it in linen cloth and placed it in a tomb cut in the rock, one in which no one had yet been laid. It was preparation day and the Sabbath was about to begin. The women who had come with Jesus from Galilee followed Joseph and saw the tomb and how his body was carefully laid in it. And then they went home and prepared spices and perfumes but they rested on the Sabbath in obedience to that commandment. We've entered Jerusalem with Jesus today. We have sung our hosannas and praises. We have waved our palm branches. We have journeyed into Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. We have experienced now Thursday and Friday. Our prayer is like Joseph, that our hearts might be broken when we see injustice and hate, that we might give abundantly out of our resources to help make right many wrongs. And our prayers, like the women who followed Jesus, that we would prepare ourselves for an encounter with Jesus. And that was Friday, but Sunday's coming. On Sunday, Next week we will gather and hear the rest of the story. Let us pray. Oh God, thank you so much that we have this beautiful Scripture that is trustworthy and it is true and that today we can enter into it and through the guidance of the Holy Spirit journey with Jesus and seek in some way to feel what he must have felt, the shame, the about the embarrassment, the humiliation, the pain and the suffering. And Lord, you did all that for us. And the good news is that death did not stop at the grave. But on the third day, Jesus rose. And He appeared to many. And He lives today. We're thankful that He's risen. But help us not jump 
too quickly from Palm Sunday to Easter Sunday. That's our temptation. May we journey through this Holy Week and live in this story and look to the rest of it as we celebrate on Easter. Amen.